Marcos Schoblitz, the handoff is to Jacobs. First through the 10, cuts up field five, drives forward, he's in! Touchdown, Josh Jacobs! Touchdown, Raiders! He bullied his way through the end zone on an 11-yard carry, and the Raiders take a 9-7 lead with 11.46 in the half. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. Been asking the question, and you can respond on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r I'm looking for two questions about this Raiders team as we're less than a week from the start of camp. One on offense and one on defense. 69187, keyword r While you think about that, we're joined on the phone lines by the Hall of Famer, Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk at NFL Shereen on Twitter. And Shereen, thanks so much for your time. It's always a pleasure when we get to catch up with you. And before we get into the NFL, i got to ask about those fighting Aggies, Jimbo Fisher, Bobby Petrino. How, how's it look for your Aggies this upcoming season? Well, I don't think they can be worse than they were last year. At least I hope not. So uh, I, I think I actually think they're going to be pretty good. I think they'll be a surprise team um, with how they play offensively. I think Petrino is going to make a big difference. So excited to see them this season. Well, what do you think about, and I know this isn't until next season, but what do you think about UT and Oklahoma joining the SEC next year? Well, I'm not a big fan of it, but I understand why. Oklahoma and Texas are doing it, and I understand why the SEC wants them. So I kind of like being out of the quote-unquote shadow of Texas. I think the Aggies established their own identity over in the SEC, not being in the same conference with Texas. But now you're going to play them every year, so you got to go beat them. Or I think they're going to play every year. We don't know how that's going to work out. But we know they're going to play in 2024, so you got to go beat them and, and uh, show you're the, the best school in Texas. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. It's funny, everyone here in, in Vegas is looking at the Aggies because Bobby Petrino was the OC here for about 12 seconds. That's right. <laughs> he <laughs> said, right. uh, short-lived. yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to head to yeah. Texas A&M to College Station. So there's that. Sheree Williams, Pro Football Talk, is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. So we're, I mean, the, some teams are already reporting for camp. Uh, the rest of them will, will uh, start next week like the Raiders do couple storylines, Zach Martin, looks like he's not too happy with his current contract with the Dallas Cowboys. Do you think he holds out and hopes that Jerry takes care of him? Well, I think the Cowboys need to take care of him, and, and he's the best player on the team regardless of position just when you look at what he's done, and he's on track for I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and, and uh, we'll probably get to present him when he comes up for the Hall of Fame five years after he retires, and I'm expecting him to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and it's hard to say that always tell people it's really hard on the Hall of Fame. Like, start talking now about the players in the NFL who, if they retired today, would be first ballot Hall of Famers. And there's not a ton of them. Um, you know, I think Patrick Mahomes, for instance, has done, done enough that he would go in first ballot. But there's not a ton of those guys that, and, and when I say first ballot, no-brainer guys, I'm talking about the guys, and there, I've been a Hall of Fame voter since 2007. And it's those rare players. I bet it's happened May I'd have to go back and count, but maybe ten times mm-hmm. since I've been a voter in 2007 where the presenter stands up and says, ladies and gentlemen, I present Emmett Smith for the Hall of Fame. I present um, whoever for the Hall of Fame. And right. sits down. There's no discussion. People clap. It's, it's, you know, it's a no-brainer. That player is going in. Even Ray Lewis had a presentation. It was short. But even Ray Lewis had a, a short presentation. But there's just not many of those guys when there's just 
no talk about it. Everyone knows that player's going to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And uh, I think Zach Martin's one of those guys. I kind of got off track there. But I think Zach Martin is one of those guys that when you talk about future Hall of Famers, he's that guy. Yeah. And when you look at what the top guards in football are making, he's not up there with the top guards. So I, they're going to have to address that contract. And I think they will address that contract. I think that's what Jerry Jones and the Jones family tends to do. They take care of their own. And he's certainly one of those players you want to take care of. Yeah, there's no doubt. And they always build their team from the inside out. That offensive line is always a priority for the Cowboys. So I do think the deal gets done with Zach. It's funny, today he was actually announced that he was the a 99 on the on, on Madden that yeah. drops a little bit later. That tells you all you need to know about Zach Martin, right? <laughs> yeah, no question about it. And the funny thing is, I know we'll talk about running backs and Josh Jacobs probably in a minute, but you know, the top guards now are making more than running backs are making, which is which is funny to me that, you know, that's happened, but that's where we are in the NFL right now with these guards making more money than than some of the running backs are making. So um, that that's kind of what it's become, and, and Zach Martin certainly sir, deserves to be up there in the t- highest paid uh, guards at the at highest paid guards at his position uh, in the NFL. And so I hope they take care of him, and I think they will take care of him. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Again, we're speaking with Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk, the Hall of Famer at NFL Shereen on Twitter. And you mentioned the Hall of Fame. I actually had my guy Vegas Jess hit me up and say, hey, ask her about Lester Hayes. And you know Lester Hayes very well. That's my guy. That's your guy. And, uh, you know, he's up again for the, the senior. Yeah. Uh, he's a semifinalist right now. Obviously, there's a long you know process still to go. But how are you feeling about Lester Hayes this time around? Yeah, I hope so. I hope he gets in in one of these next few years. I'm on the senior coach committee, um, and we just voted, obviously, to go to the finals list, and we're going to have those finalists here in the next couple weeks. So we'll find out if he's in that list of, I think it's 12 finalists um, that are going to get discussed. But I hope he's one of those guys who gets discussed in the room because I do think he's been passed over, and I do think he deserves to go into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and I think he will be there one day. But, you know, you always want these guys to, to be alive and appreciate it, and you always feel really sad for the guys like Ken Stabler who, you know, died before their day came, that they were um, had their bust in, in Canton. So right. I hope that Lester's one of those guys that, that gets to go in sooner than later because I certainly think he deserves it. No, I do too. I really do, and he's a good friend of the show, and uh, you know, just a, just a hell of a player. And I still think back to the day I couldn't even remember that his number was thirty-seven, and still I'm still shaking my head, Shireen, that I <laughs> that I couldn't remember that. I don't know how that happened. I think I was on vacation mode, but whatever the case may be, uh, yeah, Lester is a great player, and I definitely hope to see him in Canton sooner rather than later. Again, Shireen Williams is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. You mentioned the running back position. Saquon, no long-term deal. Josh Jacobs, no long-term deal. Tony Pollard, I think he was fine with signing the one-year deal. He did it immediately, $10 million. That's good for him. I feel like the system is broken, Shireen, when it comes to the running backs and, and their salaries. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it is, but it's, a, it's simply supply and demand. There's just so many running backs out there that teams, it's such a passing league, that teams feel like they can fill those spots, those running back spots, and I don't want to say with anybody, because there are some guys that are a little more special than others, but we know they break down, and they don't have long careers, so they're scared of giving them those big salary so what we're seeing is guys not get those big second contracts we're seeing them stick with the team for five years and then basically hit the market and they're not getting that big money 
Um, you know, Chris Mc- Christian McCaffrey, highest paid in, at the position, $16.1 million. He got his money in his second contract. Derrick Henry, Titans tried to unload that contract in the offseason. They didn't want to pay him. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're just not seeing teams willing to commit that money um, to those running backs because of the, the shortness of the careers and because they feel like they can go draft a guy, sign a guy in free agency, whatever the case may be, and fill in at that position in what is truly a passing league. So it's a lot different than it was, um, and they've really been devalued. And I don't know what the answer is other than, you know, there's nothing really that running backs can do to, to change it. Um, it. It is what it is, as the players like to say, and uh, I, I don't know how it changes. If you're a player in junior high or high school, I'd recommend not playing the position, figuring out somewhere else to play. Um, just because of, of what you're seeing really at the, at the NFL level, um, if you have aspirations to play in the NFL, that's not the position to play. No, it really isn't. And, and you've been covering the league for a long time. Do you think that there's any chance that this turns into a situation where these guys aren't ready to play week one and start missing game checks? Well, what people tend to forget, and like Saquon came out this week again and said, I may not be there for the start of the season. I may just sit out. Well, what people forget is they, can, they can't negotiate a long-term contract. They can tweak the one-year franchise tag. So that's more than likely what you're going to see with Josh Jacobs and with Saquon Barkley. They're going to tweak that contract, give them a little juice in there, and then say, we promise not to franchise tag you again after this year. And that will get the player to training camp or the start of the season or, or whenever they decide to do that. But I, I tend to believe that both of these teams will do that and both of these players will show up probably sooner than later, maybe not right at the start of training camp because we're pretty close here, but at, at least fairly early in training camp. I think you're going to see those guys in training camp with, with the, the promise uh, that they're not going to get franchise tagged again next year. Because, you know, it's just not, it's not in the players' best interest to sit out. We saw that with Le'Veon Bell. It's not in the team's best interest to have the player sit out. It's not like they can, as long, unless they rescind the tag, it's not like they can use that $10 million on somebody else. And it's a, it, he's a valuable member of your team. There's a reason you put the tag on him. So they'll come together, I think, both sides on both teams, and they'll get something done. That, that gets those guys in there for at least the start of the season. That's a hell of a nugget right there, and that was something that I was not aware of. So that's why we have the Hall of Famer on the show, to drop nuggets like that. So uh, that's fantastic right there. I'm sure Raider Nation, all their ears just perked up hearing that from Shereen Williams here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. I did want to ask you about the AFC in general because there's so many great quarterbacks, and I kind of look at the whole yeah. conference and say the Chiefs, are number one, the Bengals are number two, probably a close number two, and then Buffalo's number three, but I feel like that they're a distant number three. Is that kind of the pecking order that you have for the AFC right now? Yeah, I would say that. And, you know, if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, I like what the Ravens have, you know, and you just look at that AFC East is much improved. We don't know exactly what the Jets are going to be, but do you like to think, based on who they added this offseason, especially at the quarterback position, that they're going to be better? The Dolphins look better with what they've added, I mean, Jalen Ramsey's going to be a big part of that defense. They're going to be much better. Um, so, I mean, the AFC is just stacked. And, you know, you think with Sean Payton, the Broncos are probably going to be better. Are the Chargers going to be better with Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator? Mm-hmm. 
So you just look at the AFC as a whole. I mean, there's not many teams there when you just go, okay, I know this team's not, you know, making the playoffs. I know this team's not making playoffs. And maybe most of those teams that we're talking about are in the AFC South. But those other three divisions, I'm telling you right now, those divisions are stacked. They really are. It's going to be really interesting. There's some really good quarterbacks in the AFC, and then the NFC, it's got a couple guys, right? It's got a couple that are really, like, next-level quarterbacks, and then there's kind of everybody else. But speaking of an NFC quarterback, and I started off with the Cowboys, do you think Dak, do you think he bounces back from the 15-interception season he had a year ago? I think he has to if the Cowboys want to accomplish what they think they're going to accomplish. And they've spent a lot of time on those interceptions this offseason. And what he said the other day, and, and he was misquoted on the 10 interceptions, I, I won't have 10 interceptions. What he really says was tipped interceptions. I won't have the tipped interceptions this season. And the reason he thinks that is because he thinks he's going to be on the same page with his receivers. If you think back, Cowboys fans know this, the Jacksonville game, they're in overtime. Dak hits Noah Brown right between the numbers, right in the chest. The ball bounces off his chest, bounces up. Jaguars return for a walk-off touchdown. That wasn't Dak Prescott's fault. That was Noah Brown's fault. And so Noah Brown's no longer with the Cowboys. They obviously traded for Brandon Cook. They've upgraded their receiver position. I think Michael Gallup, more than a year now after that knee surgery, he had knee surgery uh, in January of 2021. So, you know, he's a year and a half out from that knee surgery. So he's going to be much, much better, I think, this season for the Cowboys. So he, Dak thinks that being on the same page with those receivers this season will pay off and fewer of those tipped interceptions that he had last year. And he had quite a few of them. Now, he can't attribute all 15 of those or the two in the postseason to that, uh, certainly. But he's got to be better. His receivers have to be better. He thinks they will be better, be on the same page. If they do that, if he can re- reduce that number, now in four of his seasons he's had 10 or more, but if he could get that number back down to the four as he had, he had as a rookie or the eight he had in 2018, which was his last Pro Bowl season, the Cowboys have a chance to be really special. They have a chance to win that division. They have a chance to win the NFC. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but that is the key for the Cowboys is getting Dak Prescott to reduce those turnovers. No, yeah, there's no doubt. Their defense is strong. We know that. Their defense is strong. Tony Pollard should be a big key to that offense, but Dak's got to be that guy. And I'll, I'll close this out with the Super Bowl. Well, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they were in the Super Bowl. The Philadelphia Eagles, we all know it's hard to get back there after a team loses the Super Bowl. What are your expectations for Jalen Hurts and company this upcoming year? Yes, you know, I think you brought it up, talking about all the quarterbacks in, in the AFC, and just when you look in the NFC, you just don't – that strength at that position with the teams in the NFC. So that's why I think they have a chance to do what some of these losing teams in the Super Bowl haven't been able to do the next year, and that's win the division, which in the present format has never been done in the NFC East where a team's repeated uh, as division champion. And so they have a chance to do that. They have a chance to win the NFC. They're certainly the team to beat, I think, as we go into training camp, as we enter training camp. Uh, I think they're still the team to beat. But, um, you know, the 49ers have a question at quarterback. I think they're pretty strong elsewhere. But, you know, Brock Purdy going to be back in time. And if he is, he's going to play as well as he did at the end of last season. There's really a small sample size. You're not positive he's going to be that guy. And you mentioned the the question marks with the Cowboys, which are, are still present there. But I think they look pretty good. And I know a lot of money has been put down on the Lions. 
but you still have question marks with the Lions just because of their history and their recent history of, of not performing very well. And they did last year, but, you know, Cowboys and Lions and, and Commanders are the three teams that haven't been to the NFC Championship game since 95 or, or earlier than that. So mm. it could be the Cowboys and the Lions that kind of ends that streak this year and gets at least to the NFC Championship game. I like the Lions. But, again, I'm going to have to see it this year to truly believe. Yeah, me too. I keep telling everybody I'd rather be late to the party than first to the party. Yeah, amen. <laughs> so that's that's where I'm at with that. But, uh, Shereen, fantastic stuff. What are you working on for Pro Football Talk we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, you know, it's starting to pick up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, the last couple weeks, and we've actually got, you know, like you said, teams, the rookies are reporting to some camp. So there's, there's a little news out there. You know, we're still looking for Dalvin Cook and some of those guys to sign. There's there's still so many big-name players on the market, uh, Jadavion Clowney among them, and you start looking at all those big-name players that we're going to see teams start to snap up here in the next few days probably as training camps commence. Well, I look forward to camp. I look forward to the NFL season as we always do. Shereen, fantastic stuff as always. Definitely appreciate you. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. There she goes, the Hall of Famer, Shereen Williams, Pro Football Talk, at NFL Shereen on Twitter. Great stuff right there. And how about that nugget, Raider Nation? How about that nugget that I wasn't aware of? And that's why we have people a lot smarter than me on the show. I wasn't aware of the fact that, you know, you could put a little sugar on top of that, uh, on top of that, uh, that one-year franchise tag to make things a little bit sweeter for a Josh Jacobs, a little bit sweeter for a Saquon Barkley. I like, I like that. Nobody had brought that to the table yet. Nobody brought that to the table. And, again, that's why we asked the question. Sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to hear about the running backs anymore. I don't want to hear about the salary. And it's not – they're devalued. But then you get a nugget that you weren't aware of. I wasn't aware of. And if you were aware of it, then that's on me. But that was a nice little nugget that uh, Shireen dropped. And now I'm really interested and intrigued. And I look forward to talking to Vinny Bonsignor tomorrow. Right? I mean, he's going to be a guest on the show. We have him each and every Thursday. Something that I'll drop his way. Hey, are, are, are you hearing maybe this could be happening? especially since apparently what we heard was that Josh Jacobs and the Raiders were close. It just didn't get done. So does a little bit of extra sugar on top, like, like Shereen just mentioned? Does that help put him over the top? Does that help get it done and get him to camp? I think that would be a win-win-win for everybody. Again, just me throwing it out there. Shereen Williams, the Hall of Famer, Pro Football Talk, at NFL Shereen on Twitter. Fantastic stuff. And Hall of Fame voter, Texas A&M, that's her team. That's where she went, her alma mater. She's an Aggie. Lester Hayes, he's an Aggie. She wants him in. My guy, John McClain, he'll join the show tomorrow. Guess what? Hall of Fame voter. They voted. They've gotten their vote on. I'll ask him straight up. John will tell me without telling me if Lester Hayes is moving on to the next round. He'll tell me. We'll talk to him tomorrow. Coming up at 3 o'clock. He's on vacation. But the first show he does when he gets back from vacation, Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio 920. All NFL players have their wages suppressed starting in college, then coming into the league after they're drafted. It can take as many as six years to hit free agency. But I would argue that running backs are disproportionately hurt by this system. They peak in efficiency during that period. So any solution for me has to start with getting them to the draft earlier, getting them to free agency earlier. I think that's where the conversation has to begin. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. ESPN's Mina Kimes right there giving her solution on the issue with the running back position. I do think it ultimately comes down to them getting to free agency a little bit sooner. 
than where it is right now, four, five, six years into what they're doing, right? I mean, they, they can literally be under control. A team could control them for about seven years and then just say, all right, thanks, thanks, but no thanks. We're done with you. So I think that that could have something to do with it, uh, but that's also for someone smarter than me. So uh, Mina Kimes right there talking about the running back position. I don't know about you, Raider Nation, but we've had two fantastic interviews. Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus talking about Max Crosby and Sheree Williams, the, the Hall of Famer for Pro Football Talk, talking all things NFL and dropping that gem, that little nugget when it came to the running back position and what she thinks is going to ultimately happen with Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs to get them into camp. Doughboy hit us up on Twitter and said, Q, end the show. You can't follow up that interview today. And that was following the Trevor Sikama interview. It was like, all right, just call it a day. Just wrap it up. And, you know, in my mind, if I wasn't such a – uh, a, a crazy guy that loves to be on the radio, in my mind, I probably would have said the same thing. <laughs> I probably would have said, well, you, you can't top that. So I might as well just go ahead and call it a day and go on home. But you know we're not going to do that, but definitely appreciate the tweet, my man. NC Raider for Life tweeted at us and said, Drake Thomas is a class act. He plays like his hair is on fire, always seems to be in the right place at the right time. If he was taller, he would get more looks. Ask Audie Cole. He played with Drake. Uh, he's... I'm, so, I'm assuming he meant ask A.J. Cole. He played with Drake. Also, Drake will do whatever is needed to help the team win. That's from NC Raider for Life, and that was in response to me talking about the defense. I threw out the question, and I'm asking you for two questions. What are your two questions about this Raiders team as we're less than a week away from the start of camp, one on offense and one on defense? My question on defense was, will there be a guy or two that steps up and takes a hold of that linebacking room? Devon Diablo, Robert Spillane, Luke Masterson, Darian Butler, Drake Thomas, could he be potentially one? So that was the response to me saying that. That's my question I have on defense. The question I have on offense, can the offensive line, can offensive line improve either with personnel or just by having another year under their belt as far as continuity goes? Those are the questions that I throw out there to you. Not those specific answers, but just one question you have on offense and one question you have on defense. 69187, keyword R&R, 702-365-9200. We got a text from um, – this was for Brad and Concord. So my opinion for the two-part question today. Offense, can the red zone deficiency finally come to an end? Can we not settle for Carlson having to trot out there when we had a first and 10 from the 12? Great question. When it comes to the offense, I couldn't tell you how long we've been talking about the struggles in the red zone. We've been talking about those struggles for a very long time. Way too many times the Raiders have to settle for a field goal as opposed to getting a touchdown. Way too many times. Too many times they've been first and goal and have to settle for three. Too many times that somehow they get they, they have a big play and they get within, within the 10-yard line and have to settle for three. It just it happens way too much. They've got to find a way to be more efficient in the red zone. Jimmy G is really good in the red zone. So if he's at, as the quarterback out there, that should be better. We already know what Devontae Adams could do in the red zone. We know what Hunter Renfro could do in the red zone. Jacoby Myers and his size, I feel like, is going to benefit the Raiders in the red zone. And also, kind of like the, the wild card here, the tight end Michael Mayer has done really well in college at Notre Dame in the red zone with – Ari and me throwing the ball to him, right? I mean, he really had nobody throwing the ball to him in school, and he's done really well in the red zone. Number one, matter of fact, in college football was Michael Mayer. So I don't think he's going to have those dominant numbers his rookie year in the NFL, but I do think that he has an opportunity to really contribute to that red zone. 
Brad from Concord goes on on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R, to talk about the defense. He said, will there be a change from having only a number 98 chasing the quarterback? Will any of these other upgrades on the D-line actually reduce the time the quarterbacks have had, thus also helping out the DBs? And that's what you're hoping. That's why you go out and draft Tyree Wilson, number seven overall. That's the same reason why you signed Chandler Jones as a free agent a year ago, was to help out 98, as you mentioned. That's why you go out and, you know, upgrade the, the, the cornerback room because you hope that they can maybe cover for a second longer. That's why you go and address the, you know, the defensive tackle position because you want to get an interior push. Ultimately, Max Crosby is out there, and he's been, he's been a, a one-man band. He's been getting it done by himself out there. He had 12 and a half sacks a season ago and didn't have a whole lot of help. That's why you bring back Jerry Tillery, right? He's supposed to be a guy that's supposed to help. If any of these dudes could step up and help out, you would think that Max Crosby's job is a little bit easier. He has high goals that he wants to reach. He reaches those goals if he has help along the defensive line. He reaches those goals if the linebackers are better. He reaches those goals if the corners are better. He reaches those goals if the safeties are better. I mean, it's an all-around team game, but Max Crosby plays at a higher level if he gets a little bit more help than he's gotten since he's been in the National Football League. So really good stuff right there from Brad and Concord. Uh, Jim from Yonkers talking about talent, and this came after the, the Mad Max Crosby interview with Trevor Sycamore from Pro Football Focus. He said, Mayock did draft some talent. RD could be good. Diablo and Hobbs are so huge. I hope they give Koontz a fair shot. He could play and adds depth. Thank you. And that's the thing about it. Mad Max Crosby came out of the fourth round of the 2019 draft. Hunter Renfro came out of the fifth round, right? I mean, there's guys, there's, there's talent that the Raiders have, and they got by way of the draft. It just wasn't enough, right? I mean, they go in, they get Nate Hobbs in the fifth round. He's a good little player, right? He's, he's got to step his game up uh, a little bit more this year, but he's a good little player. It's just unfortunately when we look back at the history of the draft – over the last couple of years when the Raiders had multiple first-round picks, multiple second-round picks, they didn't hit on enough of those guys as well. But there was some talent that has been brought in, and the Raiders benefited in a major way. Somehow they found Mad Max Crosby in the fourth round. And when it's all said and done, I don't know what Max's career is going to be, but when you look back and you start talking about Max Crosby, it'll always have to start with, this is a guy that came out of the fourth round. He had one full-time scholarship offer, heading from high school to college. He has been able to get it done, and he had a lot of people that doubted him, and he has all he's done is continue to prove people wrong year in and year out. Raider Mac, you're up. What's on your mind, Raider Mac? Welcome to the show. Q, Q, Q. Man, that, that's, a great, that's a, a great question. Uh, for me, I, I just want to see what the linebackers we, – we never have – we haven't had great linebackers in so long. I mean, it's just – so I am just want to see what De, uh, Devon Diablo and uh, I think the free agent was Robert Spillin. Is Spillane, he, is, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Spillane. Oh, Spillane. So that that's my biggest concern because I know Mad Max in the, in the D-line. I, I'm really impressed with the young kid that we drafted um, from um, Texas Tech. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. But the linebackers is, is the – main concern and on offense I, I, I think the biggest thing the biggest concern is the play calling. And that it's not just in the red zone, but there was too many 
first down, hand the ball off, hand the ball off. No throwing on first down to loosen up the the defense every every time. And Q, I just wanted to ask one question regarding um, uh, training camp coming up. Yep. So, so are they? So the rookies report early, and the free agents, and then the uh, the the veterans. Are are the Raiders going to be in pads like two weeks later, or when will they be in pads? To really, to me, that's when the season starts. Is when once you get in pads. Because sure. everybody's great in shorts and in t-shirts, but we want to see what you do in the pads, and I'll let you go on that, Q. Hey, great call, Raider Mac. Definitely appreciate you. And yeah, I don't know the exact date that they'll put the pads on for the first time. We haven't got our, our training camp schedule yet, but I know that they have like a week, week and a half ramp-up period. They're not going to just go and throw the, the pads on immediately, so they'll have a ramp-up period, uh, and when I do get the schedule, I'll definitely let you know immediately, okay, hey, this is when the pads go on, because that is, you're right, you, you will learn a lot once the pads go on. I mean, everyone looks good. Hell, me and Ari look good in shorts. Right, well, I look good in shorts. Ari, not so much. (laughs) Hey, man. I mean, hey, man, nothing. (laughs) I got to exercise a little more and and get a little tan. You got to do something, man. You got to do something. The legs don't get a lot of sun either, so. Oh, man, here you go. No, but really, I mean, you're right. Like, everyone looks good, you know, during the practice sessions when you just have shirts and, and, you know, T-shirts and shorts on and, you know, maybe your maybe your uh, your your helmet here and there, but it's all about when the pads come on. And I'm really intrigued by the joint practices. And I know that the the team, the coaches, I know they all get excited by joint practices. And the Raiders have two of them. They have three preseason games, and they have two different sets of joint practices before those. Well, two out of the three games, one with the 49ers, that'll be the first one, and then the second one with the Rams. Their third preseason game, they play on the road against the Dallas Cowboys, and they don't have a joint practice then. But their first two preseason games, they have joint practices leading into it. That's when you learn a lot about the team as well, right? And, and I go back to a year ago when the Raiders hosted the, the Patriots. And from everything that we saw out there, and of course it doesn't always translate, but they look like they were pretty much having their way with the Patriots, right? And so uh, we'll see what happens this year. But I think with especially with the 49ers and that defense that they have, I think we'll have an opportunity to learn a lot about the Raiders when uh, those joint practices happen. So, Raider Mac, thanks so much for that call. I do appreciate you. And, yeah, for me, the linebacking room was was one of the big questions that I had, and I want to see who is going to be able to step up. Uh, Mailman Raider also hit us up and said, Q, I also have a question for the, uh, for the special teams. Will the new long snapper have the chemistry that the kickers had with Sieg? Still never understood that move. That's from Mailman Raider, and that's what training camp is for. Training camp is to go out there and get that chemistry. Like, literally, they, they do – they do special teams drills the whole time. The whole time we're out there, while the defense and offense are on their fields, the special teams unit is on their field. So there is nothing but long snapping, long snapping, long snapping going on, right? There's nothing but kicking going on, whether it's the place kicker or the punter, whatever the case may be. Like, they're literally working on that the whole time, each and every day. That is their get down. So uh, it, the, the, the chemistry might not be there right now, but by the tra- end of training camp, there's no excuse why it's not, right? And, and you know, these guys have their, their reason for making moves. They, uh, you know, they decide, hey, this guy is, you know, not needed at this point. We need to bring in this guy for this reason, that reason, or the other. And that's, that's their decision. There's been those kind of decisions made all over the field, right? Offense, defense, special teams is another unit. So uh, that's why those moves are made. And, and, again, that chemistry, they'll build that up throughout the course of, uh, of training camp and, of course, uh, preseason as well. I got one more text from Robin Oakland, and uh, then we'll take a 
take a quick break in, and we'll come back with some reason or excuse. But this says, D question, did Max take the transcendent step from a top-tier DN to a top-tier leader of men that inspires the best practice habits off the field that turn into production on the field? Overcoming that ugly problem in Kansas City requires inspired defensive play. Offensive question, will Jimmy's familiarity with Josh McDaniel's offense allow for more frequent and consistent scoring without the in-game and and game-to-game scoring droughts we're used to? Team question, has the organization created an atmosphere to actually hone and develop the young talent in the building? Have the young guys like Palomoa improved in the offseason program? Rob in Oakland with three excellent questions right there. And I think with Max, I feel pretty comfortable with saying he's taking that next step. I really do believe he's going to have a phenomenal season. I, and, again, this is based off of nothing but conversation with him and, and conversation with people around the building and just understanding the kind of guy he is. That's, that's, uh, that, that's where that's at. You know, mandatory minicamp, OTAs, the way we saw him hustling from spot to spot, it just, it just seems like he's taking that next step. And I remember when Unique Ngakwe was a member of the Raiders in that training camp we were out there, and I remember coming back and saying, this dude looks fast. Man, Max Crosby looks faster. He looks like he's locked in. He looks like he's, he's in for a big season. And he was better. He was a better player than he had been. And that was coming off of him being, you know, getting sober and, and all that good stuff. And he just continued to, 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 to climb the, the, the ladder. So I do think that he is going to take that next step. Uh, when it comes to Jimmy G and that familiarity, that's what you're hoping for. You're hoping for more scoring, less field goals, more scoring touchdowns. He's great in the, in the red zone. Can he get there? Can he get to the red zone? Can he be out there consistently? It's going to be a good question that we won't know until we know. And then, of course, when it comes to developing the young talent, that's what it's all about. One of the big keys that we heard all offseason long, I know I talked about it, Vinny talked about it, many others talked about it, was the fact that the Raiders haven't done anything in the draft. They haven't been able to draft young talent. Well, it's one thing to draft young talent, but once you have them in the building, what do you got to do with them? You got to develop them. Right? It's one thing to draft a guy that you think is worth the salt, but then it's also another thing to go ahead and, and, and continue to grind and, and help him develop into being that player that you envision when you draft him. So uh, that it all goes hand in hand. Drafting the right players, but then also developing the right players. Great text right there from Rob in Oakland. So, again, give me two questions about this Raiders team as we're one, or less than one week away from the start of camp. One question on offense. One question on defense. 3.38 is the time. Caller number nine is what we're going to look for real quick at 702-365-9200. You want to go to the battle for Vegas. That is the Raiders versus the Golden Knights Saturday at Las Vegas Ballpark. It's sold out. Sold all the way out. But I've got your tickets in because that's how we get down. 702-365-9200. Again, caller number nine is what we're looking for. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. In Espanol, Harry Ruiz right there on the call. Harry is a frequent fill-in guy for JT. You can hear him JT the Brick Show frequently, noon to two. Does a good job on the Spanish broadcast for the Silver and Black, and that was going back to October 4th, 2022. Josh Jacobs, nice little touchdown run. And I don't know who was doing color commentary on that call for him, but I can hear him in the background celebrating and getting excited 
And it's and all I can think of is going back to when I was doing color commentary for high school football, and it was the first time I did it. It was in Texas, obviously, and Texas high school football is like king, <laughs> right? It's like the Cowboys and Texas high school football. In some people's eyes, it's Texas high school football and then the Cowboys, but that's a whole other conversation. But I was doing it for the first time. I'm a sideline reporter. I'm not – I don't do color, right? I don't want to do play-by-play. I don't want to do any of that. But I had two in a pinch. They were like, hey, can you just do color? I was like, yeah, no problem. I can do it. I'll just treat it like I do the sidelines, but from the booth. No problem. So <laughs> one play, this guy is – it sounded like a running – I think it was a running play as well, and he was about to take it to the house. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I had – because in my mind, I'm just – I'm still on the sidelines, but I was in the booth. All I, I see is dude hit the hole, and I was like, he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. Oh, that's a touchdown. And the dude's doing the call. <laughs> he's literally on the call, and he looks at me, and he hits me. He literally punched me. And so not knowing, I'm still in the moment because I'm like, oh, he's gone, right? <laughs> like, no, no element of surprise. No, you know, 40, 30, 20, 10, none of that, right? Oh, he gone. Like, that, that, was, that was me. He punches me, and I look at him. I go, yeah, I know. He's gone. You know, <laughs> like, I think, like, he's celebrating with me or something because we were on that team's call. And, uh, no, it was because I was, all, I was stepping all over his call. And I learned that in the commercial break. I never did that again. But <laughs> it was pretty funny. So when I hear, I hear that call from Harry, and I hear the guy in the background, da -da -da! Uh, and I don't know what he's saying, but, you know, from a distance you can hear it. That's all I can think of is me jumping all over this dude while he's doing his play-by-play -play call, and I'm messing him all the way up. But, you know, that's what we do. Might have to kick you out of the booth. Hey, man, look, I didn't want to be in the booth to begin with, man. I'm a sideline guy. People Clearly. ask me all the time, Q, do you want to get in the booth? Do you want to do play-by-play? -play? No. No, that is a fine art. I don't want nothing to do with that. I just want to be on the sidelines. Shout-out to the Raiders if you're listening, and I know you do. I'm just saying, you got a very qualified sideline guy waiting, willing, Ready to rock and roll. Just ready. I'm just saying it. Just throwing it out there. They hear everything else. <laughs> <laughs> hear that. Put that on wax. Just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, 69187, keyword R&R, 702 That's a feedback on the show. You got two questions, one on offense, one on defense. As the Raiders prepare for training camp next week, let us know about it. Again, 69187, keyword R&R. Now, Ari. It's your time to shine, my man. Reason or excuse? It's time for reason or excuse on Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. Hey, it's me. I'm your boy Art. I know. You're going to have to switch <laughs> that up, man. Yeah, yeah. Also, I don't want to call myself your boy. That's, uh, that's, that's your thing. That's right. All right. Here's a quote. I'm going to listen. I'm going to be coachable, and I'm going to do it to the best of my ability but if the ish ain't working at some point, we all have to look in the mirror. Is That's Kyler Murray. Is he making excuses after signing a really huge contract? Or is the reason because ish ain't working because of him, I should say? Um, That's a good one. And I think that Kyler Murray finds himself in a somewhat what my dad would call a little bit of a predicament. <laughs> um, I kind of feel like it's an excuse, but it's his reason. Right? It's his reason for why things haven't gone right and he's trying to make it sound like he's going to do everything right but I also think it's an excuse trying to buy some extra time and make the team believe in him right mm -hmm. it's just look he has a new head coach he there it. it's not Cliff Kingsbury it's a defensive minded coach and coach Gannon comes over from Philadelphia Kyler Murray's coming back from a torn ACL he's not going to be ready when the season starts the team has already unloaded DeAndre Hopkins they already have a high draft pick that they are receiving from the Houston Texans 
they're most likely going to have a high draft pick, and they're most likely going to be in a position to go and draft a quarterback, maybe Caleb Williams or Drake May. So I think he's trying to do as much damage control. He's trying to give excuses that may sound like reasons, <laughs> but I do believe ultimately it's excuses of why he hasn't been the guy that he was supposed to be when they signed him up to that contract extension. And I think that he's in a position now where he realizes he could be on the outside looking in because nobody in that organization right now is the guy that has ties to him, right? The front office is different. The head coach is different. So if they say, similar to Sean Payton with Russell Wilson in Denver, if they say bye, 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 <laughs> like like those cats used to sing back in the day, who's that, NSYNC? NSYNC. Yeah. They could do it and get away with it and cut ties. So I think it's an excuse, and he's trying to make it a reason. All right. I like it. I, there's one thing I don't like, which is that he said, we all have to look in the mirror. I think just getting back to yesterday with the yep. leadership of a quarterback, it yep. should just be, I have to look in the mirror. Facts. But, Big facts. But, hey, he's got a lot to prove, so we shall see. And he probably won't prove it this year. I don't think he even plays this year. Yeah, it's, so that's I why mean, I think he's trying to lay the groundwork to, to really make the team have confidence that he's going to be better when he returns. I think he's trying to lay the groundwork right yeah. now. Hey, he might, he might prove me wrong. Take it. So, all right, this is an interesting one. With all this controversy around the running backs, uh, I read something. Many teams seem to have learned from the Rams' mistake with Todd Gurley in 2018. They signed the running back to a four-year, $57 million extension, even though he had two years remaining on his rookie contract. Uh, Basically, you know how that went. He had knee problems. His productivity was not so hot. And they cut him March 2020. At 25 years old, so is the reason for the demise of the running back position because they're, they're trying to kind of make this seem like this is where it all started. Ever since then, that's where this happened. You know, that's why we right. don't value the running back. Is that an excuse or a reason to not continue to pay them well? I think using Todd Gurley is an excuse, and this is why. Todd Gurley had knee injuries and knee issues coming out of college. Everybody, every swing and D that watched college football knew Todd Gurley had knee issues. He had already torn his ACL. So when the Rams drafted him, everyone knew that they drafted him with with a bad wheel, right? He had bad wheels the whole time. Was he dynamic when he was on the field? Sure. But he had injury history the whole time. So when you fast forward to modern day and you look at a guy like Saquon, who he's had knee issues. He, he, he missed the majority of one season where he only played two games. But he's back. And then you look at a guy like Josh Jacobs, who has missed literally only a handful of games in his career. I know a lot of people think that, oh, he's always banged up. No, not really. These guys played in 60 games in four seasons. You do the math. Saquon Barkley's played in 60 games in five seasons. So I do understand where the injuries are a big role and is a big reason, but not that guy's injuries. Not Todd Gurley's, right? Don't, don't, Don't blame it on Todd Gurley. They were foolish. The Rams were foolish for giving him the money to begin with, just like they were foolish for paying Matt Stafford after they won the Super Bowl, right? They just make some bad decisions when it comes to money. They're like me, right? (laughs) They get a couple dollars in their pocket. My mom said this when I was a little kid. Don't let that money burn a hole in your pocket. That's what they do. They get a little bit of money in their pocket, and it burns a hole immediately. And they spend it, and then they have buyer's remorse as soon as they do. Oh, man, I shouldn't have bought that broke-down car. No kidding. No kidding. Just because it looked good don't mean it is good. My grandmother used to say that. Just because it looks good and feels good don't mean it is good. Boy, was she right. Mm, she was right, and I didn't know it. That's a whole nother story. That also will burn a hole in your pocket. Just saying. <laughs> so there you go. All right, last one. Daryl Morey over to the NBA. Daryl Morey Ooh. says he is attempting to honor his long relationship with James Harden 
So, quote, if we if we do look at the trade, it will be for one of two things. Either a player who helps us to be right there like we were last year, or we're going to do it, do it where we get enough draft picks so we can turn those into a player who can be a running mate with Joel Embiid. Uh, is that long relationship, you know, like the loyalty and the guilt of it all, I got to stand by my guy here, is that a reason or is that an excuse to really mess up a potentially a good deal, something they can get out of it? No, no. On both sides, I should No, say. It, it's all excuses because I'm sorry there's not a good deal, deal out there. Who wants James Harden? I'll wait. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. Who wants James Harden? Houston? Nope. They went out and signed Fred Van Vliet. They went out there and signed uh, Dylan Brooks. They uh, they got, you know, they got youngsters. They got a new coach in Coach Adoka. You think he wants James Harden? Nope. The Clippers, do you see them making a move for him? They got Kawhi and Paul George. That's where he wants to go is L.A. Have you heard a peep out of L.A.? Nope. Where else is he going to go? You saw James Harden throw a fit when he was in Houston. When he didn't get his way, he became Big James. And not Big Game James, just Big James. <laughs> big old James. Yeah, found his way out of Houston. Ended up in Brooklyn. Didn't do anything for them. Ended up in Philadelphia. Ain't done much for them. No, it's not that they're going to hold out and wait for the best deal and do this, that, and the other. They ain't got no choice. They ain't got no choice. <laughs> Who wants James? What at, at, at 33 years old, 34 years old, and the guy that wants to get paid, who 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 does he help right now? Right. I yeah. mean, again, I'll wait. Yeah, I, You want to make a trade and send him to Portland? You think Portland wants those issues? I would say if he uh, wants to really put something into the long relationship, yeah, like the opposite. You need to you need to help this guy somehow get some kind of deal. That's how I look. I mean, I, you're right. right. But who like, wants I don't, him? I don't know. I'm I'm just saying. Like rather like, than what this, would you what would you're, you're what putting... would your average person give up right now? What would a what would a your average organization give up for James freaking Harden right Certainly now? Certainly not either a player who helps them get right there where they were last year or right. enough draft picks. So to, to no. the point, I mean, like yeah. maybe maybe you need to lower your standards a bit for your boy. You know, and, and if you want to help yeah, him out, that's not what he. That's the problem is that's not what James wants. James wants to go to L.A. and L.A. as of right now don't want him. Bro. <laughs> All they've had is, is space and opportunity. Most likely, he's probably going to end up back in Philadelphia. And you know what that does for the Sixers? Oh, nothing. nothing. Actually, it's worse. I think just the morale nothing. around right. the locker room. Exactly. Yikes. So I mean, where do you send James Harden? He's proven throughout the course of his career he's not a winner. He's not. You can't send. You can't pick up the phone and call Portland and be like, "Hey, I got an idea. You take James, we'll take Dame." They'll say, "Ha ha 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 ha!" Sounds good, dude. At this stage of the game, I would take a injury-prone Chris Paul over James Harden. And oh, by the way, the Warriors have that injury-prone Chris Paul. But I would still take him any day of the week and twice on Sunday over James Harden. That's just that. That is reasons or excuses here on Red Nation Radio 920.